Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sergio, we're back. We're better. We're fighting technology issues, but who cares? Because there's bigger fights out there in the world, and we're doing our thing, talking about college football like we always do. Nothing can stop us. Not even. This is what the, the third time that we've tried to record this now in the past ten minutes. <laughs> we've got two minutes down. Let's see if we could get the rest. <laughs> let's, have, let's do it. Let's jump into have, it. We have great content past our intro, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> starting with some of the biggest news in the offseason, Caleb Williams finally decided where he was going. Um, he kind of teased us. It was a charade the whole time. Uh, there was speculation that he was going to go to Wisconsin or LSU. And it was just, we all knew it was in the cards. It was kind of like if you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, there's always that one person where you know that's who's getting picked. But for the sake of the show, they must go on. <laughs> and Caleb Williams kept the charade up. And did he ever? He took it down to... I want to say the last minute possible, there was starting to be reports. People were reporting when classes started and like when he had to start attending class for to actually be enrolled. And he ended up going to USC anyway. And so there was no shock yeah. there. It was a big move. He followed Lincoln Riley. I think USC is probably going to be contending for the playoff in a matter of a couple years, maybe even this year, if the Pac-12 is kind of down-ish. Mm-hmm. So, I, feel, I, f- yeah. I feel like they're going to compete, but I don't think they're going to be the USC that you watched when you fell in love with your Texas Longhorns. I don't think we're there yet. You know, that's true. We're not, we're not, we're not at Oh four to Oh seven range yet, but Mm -hmm. we're definitely going to be in an improvement and we're definitely going to be able to see a step in the right direction. I mean, we've already seen it with recruiting. Um, Riley's taken in a lot of transfers, but that's, excuse me. That's just because I think, it was so late in the cycle and you're right. The whole Caleb Williams thing did come down kind of to the last minute because I think people forget. Yeah. We kind of treat these players like semi-professionals, but they're technically still students and they cannot play for the team if they are not enrolled at that university and enrollment, like hard deadline, like pass drop ad, like that's it. This is, this is the deadline for classes was coming up quick. And I think um, Spencer Rattler enrolled like the day before the deadline or whatever. I think um, Jackson Dart, who I know we'll talk about in a minute, he was enrolled at two different universities just in case because uh, you can do that. You'll just lose the deposit at whatever other university. But I mean, when you're striking NIL deals for maybe five, maybe six figures, maybe a $200 deposit isn't the biggest deal for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, that's how people were actually requ- I think that's how Jackson Dart's commitment was leaked was someone saw his mm-hmm. uh, student email jackson dart at olmiss.edu or whatever it was like you you know the like the basic like if you just type someone's name in at your school's email or yeah email thing it'll show up and so that's how people were trying to find caleb williams actually but i don't think he was enrolled anywhere i think caleb williams was just ghost and us every ghost and everyone no I, I agree i agree i think it was literally last minute when he was like all right i think I, all right we're gonna go to usc let me enroll now but by the time that he was uh, he was enrolled in everything news had come out that he was he was there already so yeah so that was no shock to anyone um usc did take in a great deal of transfers which we'll get to in a little bit and then um we just touched on a little bit Ole miss took in jackson dart to replace matt corral who left for the nfl um i love that fit for jackson dart he kind of has that spunk and energy that matt corral brought and he has a big arm and i think him and lane kiffin will go together greatly we saw their uh, post together when they were posing by the car. Lane Kiffin's he's a player's guy like that. No other coach will do that. I mean, Brian Kelly might, but I don't want to see him do anything else. I've seen no, enough. Brian Kelly's done quite a few things in terms of recruiting that I don't think I ever want to see again. So yeah, I, I've had enough of his dancing. And mm-hmm. I, I think some players have too. I mean, the one, the player that went viral for dancing with Brian Kelly didn't, in, did not end up going to LSU. So right. I don't know. Having an old man kind of like, I won't say throw it back on you, but it it, <laughs> it was in throw it back territory. And I'm I don't not, know if, Juven- if juvenile was playing. Uh, I don't know. We might have had to cut the video, man. I'm, I'm just not saying. there for it. I am not there for it, but it's okay. It <laughs> happened. It happened. Um, mm-hmm. Two other quarterbacks. Um, I'm going to throw in a late one onto the rundown because I just thought about him. JT mm-hmm. Daniels, former USC quarterback, who kind of like in a way was a product of he's kind of like the next Justin Fields in a way where like he transferred somewhere. He started a whole little cycle himself in a way, if you think about it, because he training 
Meaning he was like the domino that fell within that certain class of transfer quarterbacks. Right. Like he was uh, the first one. He he was kind of well because you just use you just use JT Daniels and Justin Fields in the same sentence, and I'm not really comfortable with that comparison. Well, but I'm if you're talking about comparisons domino. like, you know, starting okay, yeah, dominoes I'm in on. Okay. And honestly, we might even like I would have to sit down and like map it out. We still might be seeing the results of the Justin Fields transfer, because yeah, that was not that long ago. That was literally like two or three years ago. And so mm-hmm. um, we still might be seeing the results of that. But JT Daniels took his talents to Georgia, which everybody thought was going to be what brought Georgia a championship because they were always a quarterback away. They were always a quarterback away. They had Jake Fromm, who he, uh, Kirby Smart picked over Jake Eason and Justin Fields and somehow got mm-hmm. the worst of the three. But Jake Fromm was still yep. serviceable. And they were just a quarterback away. And little did we know that the quarterback that they needed was – a walk on named Stetson Bennett, who's like five six and has a flip phone. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause you there. And it's a, not that Stetson, it, it's not that Georgia did not win the national championship, and that sentence right there already makes me want to vomit. But alas, Georgia did not win the national championship because of Stetson Bennett. Wasn't in Georgia spite. won the national championship in spite of Stetson Bennett? No. They have not. They have like nine NFL players on that defense and a plethora of skill position players. That team was so good at every, at all 21 other positions on offense and defense that you could have a subpar, below average, media, borderline mediocre quarterback in Stetson Bennett the fourth and win a title. It was very much a callback to like the um, the SEC football of the late uh, 2000s, early 2010s. Where LSU wins a national title, wins a couple national titles. Bama wins national titles with guys like Coker and Greg McElroy and people like that. So I think it was a callback to that era. But again, we're in the era of spread offenses and high shooting offenses. And then in bas- I'm watching basketball game in the background here. Basketball is in the era of three pointers. Right now we're looking at DeMar DeRozan like have an incredible season shooting twos. Georgia winning the national title with a below average quarterback. And the Bulls and and Demar Derozan having an MVP type season shooting two pointers; those are exceptions to the rules. Let's be perfectly clear about that. Those are sure. exceptions to the rules. Those are not the rule. And with every rule, you have to have it. You will end up having an exception. So, I just want to make that perfectly clear. I get no it. disrespect to Stetson Bennett. I'm sure he's going to sell a ton of insurance in 25 years. But the man is a god in Georgia, as he should be, and I'm very happy that someone has the opportunity to cash in on that. You will never, ever, ever, ever hear me say such a nice thing about Georgia in my life again. Continue, yeah. Borba, because I'm already mad at myself for giving Georgia <laughs> so much credit. <laughs> right. No, it, it was just ironic that Georgia was always an elite quarterback talent away. And right. lo and behold, the guy that – he didn't really carry them, but the guy that helped – he kind, it kind of reminded me of Nick Foles uh, on the Eagles when they won their Super Bowl. Carson Wentz Excellent did- analogy. Carson Wentz did the heavy lifting. He was the better quarterback at the time. But when he got hurt, I think it was the second to last week or the last week of the regular season, Nick Foles carried them through the playoffs. And JT Daniels got hurt during the season again, which has been, I don't want to say his Achilles heel because I don't know if he's had an Achilles injury yet, but he he's had an injury. I don't want to say yet. That's Wow, that's rough. I'm sorry, but... That, that not how I meant it to come off, but that's it is what it is. Not cool, Borba. Not he's, cool. <laughs> he's had injuries, and he's had knee injuries, and he's just been bit with the injury bug. And so, yeah, Stetson Bennett comes in. We saw him last year too. So the Stetson Bennett hype was kind of a thing last year when they cycled through a couple quarterbacks and no one stuck. And then JT Daniels was injured, but like they thought he could play at the end of the season, just wasn't the guy. And so he decided to transfer again. So this will be. Destination number three, um, when he transferred or put his name in the portal, I saw reports that say he's targeting group of five schools at the moment, mm-hmm. um, just because that's probably the clearest path to the field for him. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've seen group of five schools go to the NFL. And I mean, Desmond Ritter, uh, Malik Willis, they're both going to be first round picks or at least top two round picks. And they both came from group of five uh Carson Carson Strong mm-hmm. from Nevada. So there's not, nothing wrong with that. It's just interesting um, because JT Daniels was the Caleb Williams of, I I don't remember what class, I think he was in my high school class, actually. He was the number one recruit, enrolled early at USC, and yeah. kind of just hasn't panned out in a way. And when I say Caleb Williams, he was like, the the hype was there for him. Right. And, in, terms, in terms of public perception as the um, quote unquote best quarterback in that class. 
Um, and honestly, I hate the fact that you were like when I went to college, because now I feel very old because I remember when JT Daniels early enrolled at USC and I was a senior in college. <laughs> <laughs> I was a senior in high school. It's OK. It's OK. Barbara, uh, bor- <laughs> Barbara, you keep making me feel old, my man. You keep making me feel old. But you look great. <laughs> Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. I've, I've been working on it. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, we love we love some self-help, some self-improvement. Everybody's trying to get mm-hmm. better these days. Um, Always. Someone who needs a better location for himself because it clearly wasn't working out was Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Um, mm-hmm. This this whole scenario was interesting. Um, he had, which it probably wasn't smart. It was a smart move on his end, but there were, he could have gone to the NFL if he wanted to. Um, this past season didn't seem like the correct time to do so for him. And so he announced in December that he was returning to Arizona State. And then all of a sudden, not really all of a sudden, there have been murmurs and quakings that Arizona State staff had been dabbling in some illegal recruiting tactics of hosting um, student athletes for visits during the dead period. And so Borba, Borba, why why are you being so professional? Let me do it. I'll rip the bandaid off. My guys, my guys and my girls, listen up. Arizona State was wild. All right. Arizona State decided that during the dead period and during the COVID uh, restrictions, they were like, yeah, we're just going to sneak these recruits in the back door, got caught and not only got caught, they got caught by their own security camera footage. Like it it was the dumbest thing that you could do. They're bringing in recruits when they shouldn't be. And of course, the NCAA, while they are not an oh, my God, Joel Embiid just destroyed a rim in Madison Square Garden. Sorry. Distraction. (laughs) Wow. What a dunk. Wow. One dribble from the three-point line. Anyway, um, that while they were doing this, like everyone else in the country was restricted. Now, the NCAA, we know, has kind of turned a blind eye to certain things in the past. I mean, the SEC recruiting structure is quite literally 50% illegal. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But where the NCAA doesn't like to be crossed is when they do things on like a wide scale. So the problem there is that they were doing these things when everyone was at the time like, okay, this is for the better of people's health. COVID is going on. We didn't know as much at the time. We're talking like the summer of 2020. Like this stuff happened like in the height of when we didn't know what was going on. Obviously now we have a lot more information and now we understand, but at the time we didn't. And so the NCAA doesn't like to be crossed. And to the extent where the assistants that were kind of in charge of doing that kind of stuff, they're gone from Arizona state recruiting has been impacted at Arizona state. So a lot has gone down over um, in Tempe, Arizona, where um, they're just kind of in a weird situation there. So I know you wanted to be very nice and official and stuff, but like there were, there were sneaking recruits in the back door guys during a dead period and during a dead period because of COVID, not a great look ASU, not not a great look. And um, another thing is they, so they kept Daniels, but well, they, they kept Daniels because they said because Daniels told them that he was going to stick around. That's right. the whole reason they didn't go after other transfer quarterbacks. They could have gotten guys like Dylan Gabriel. They could have gotten guys like Spencer Rattler, who's a hometown kid down That's the street. And they passed Rattler. because they had Daniels. They they told Spencer Rattler no, or Spencer Rattler told them no. One of the parties, we don't know who because it's been reported mm-hmm. both ways, told them no because Jaden Daniels is there. So Spencer Rattler could have been a Sunday. Which – to the in, in whoever's made that decision's defense, right decision. Mm-hmm. If I look at Jaden Daniels right now going into a senior season, and I also look at Spencer Rattler coming off of just the garbage fire that was the last season at Oklahoma, then I'm a hundred percent gonna go with Jaden Daniels every time. So I respect that decision, but now they're kind of left in the dust because of what you're about to tell us with Jaden Daniels. Right. And so um they did get Paul Tyson, great grandson of uh, Bear Bryant or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how good he is because he's never really played, but they lost Jaden Daniels. They lost the guy that they were turning down other people for. And I don't know. I, I honestly thought it was kind of sad, to be honest. We saw the his teammates posting a video on social media um, taking, I didn't even know like this was allowed, I guess. They were taking his stuff. Um, I don't know if they stole it or if they just like were throwing it away or something, but they were emptying out his locker for him. And they were saying, they were saying he was trash in the video. Like they're the person who recorded the video allegedly didn't say it, but it sounds like it's close to the camera. Um, So someone near him was saying he was trash anyway, like who cares? And so it did not, was not a happy exit for Daniels from Arizona state, but in 
you got to do what's best for you. And Arizona State already looks like a dumpster fire. And so might as well try to get out while you can. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty sad, though, because especially Jaden Daniels first season, Mm -hmm. man, it looked like it looked like things were clicking with Herm Edwards over there. And, and it, we and I was one of the people that was made to look silly because I was like, this is not going to work. He's old. He's out of touch with modern football. And he took a completely different approach to team building. He was very much NFL oriented and it worked for them in the first season. Um, and it worked more in the second season. And then year three, it kind of just went a little bit downhill. This is very much a case of I wonder what would have happened if COVID didn't. You know, this is one of those like I what if there was yep. no COVID? And the trajectory of kind of coming upward wasn't stifled um, yeah. at ASU. So a great point because a lot of their issues came as a result of COVID and yeah, breaking literally violations, breaking yeah. violations because of COVID. So right. there's no COVID. Right. Maybe maybe ASU is the hot school in the Pac-12 right now. We don't know, and so that's right. just going to be a big what if. Um, we don't even know if Herm Edwards is Herm Edwards is going to be the coach of ASU after this next season. Um, yeah. But transfer portals filling up. Um, which brings me to our next topic, Lincoln Riley, the head coach of well, USC. Well, can I say, can, before we go forward, can I just mention, there were reports, I forgot to send this to you, I saw it this morning, I was getting ready for church and I just forgot to send it. There were moment. there were reports saying that Jaden Daniels um, has had a visit and is in like serious talks to enroll at Missouri. Mm, so okay. there's potential that Jaden Daniels could end up at Missouri. I want to ask you this question since you for now are not an sec fan um from an outsider's perspective what do you think of Jaden daniels at missouri because from my perspective as someone in the same division as missouri you know i'm a florida fan and stuff like that i think that that instantly makes missouri one of the three one of the four best teams they go from the bottom of the of the sec east to a middle of the pack sec east i'm talking like they can give kentucky a run for their money um they can, you know, they can they can compete there and with a resur- resurging South Carolina, in my opinion. I, I think that that puts them in a great position to win seven, maybe eight games this coming season. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think Missouri's kind of always like that middle of the pack team. Uh, they they literally are always like, it seems like a few players away um, from being the team mm-hmm. that you just described. <laughs> like there's been teams, yeah. Missouri teams that have reached really well, really um, great success. Um, the only thing that I think about Missouri is they've signed a twenty or a quarterback by the name of Sam Horn, uh, a four star out of Georgia, uh, who the fans mm-hmm. have been clamoring for. Like they want this kid to play so bad. And Jaden Daniels is obviously college ready because he's been in college. But Missouri is kind of a sleeper team in the SEC right now. They're they signed the 14th uh, best class in 2022. That wide receiver and that wide, that five-star wide receiver stayed in state and turned down right. offers from like LSU and Alabama and Georgia and decided to stay in state. And that's a big right. win for them. Luther Burden, the number three overall player. And then they mm-hmm. also got, uh, let's see, they got nine transfers. Um, a, a lot of them from power five schools. They got a guy from Florida, Tyron Hopper, um, Ian Matthews. Hopper's from- good. Yeah, they Hopper's like- good. As someone who's seen him, he he played tight end, I believe, um, and sometimes he played a bit out of the backfield. Good player, good player. Yeah. Uh, they got him at linebacker now. Um, so they they took in a lot of good transfers. Um, I think Daniels could kind of be the bridge to Sam Horn uh, because obviously Sam Horn, if if he stays, uh, we never know if people want to wait out that one year anymore. Which is, is Sam kind of- Horn going to be a true freshman this season? He he's was he in that recruiting. He's class? listed in the 2022 class, so I believe so. Okay, all he right. Okay, so then that uh, works. That could work in the 2020. Yeah, have him sit behind Daniels a year. Daniels would go. If it doesn't work out with Daniels, he can always grad transfer because he ha- doesn't have his degree yet, and he can play mm-hmm. immediately somewhere else. Or if he ends up having a great year, he can declare for the draft, and I think it works out great for them. Right, and so it's just a matter of patience, and that's honestly the thing that's yeah. been lacking in college football these days because everybody wants to be on it. Unfortunately for quarterbacks, there's only one of them on the field. Uh, receivers, yeah. there's two to three, four, whatever. Offensive linemen, there's five. Running backs, there could be two. Like There's only one quarterback on the field, and so I understand yeah. why there's lack of patience, but sometimes you give it a little wait, you wait your turn, and you never know. You, you might be Tim Tebow um, waiting his turn. Or, to, or, yeah. or you might be Joe Burrow. That's right. That yeah, I see both ends. You never know. It's, I've the only person that knows your situation best is you. So do what's best for you. Um, someone who 
might be against the transfer portal happenings, but like it's unclear. Uh, we don't really know. Lincoln Riley, uh, the former Oklahoma coach, current USC coach, he had a lot to say. And I told my friend this a while back, back with like, I want to say a couple years ago um, when Lincoln was the head coach of Oklahoma. I was just like, every time he speaks to the media, I was like, he just makes himself look so bad because he it's like, I don't know if they have a PR team that's prepping him for questions or if he's just going out there and like hoping for the best. But like his answers are just always so like open-ended like there's always so much room for interpretation and not in a good way like nick saban does a great job of when someone asks him a question he like shuts the question down he gets the answer out that he wants and then people stay away from that question i think the best example was when he screamed at maria taylor to quit asking about the two quarterbacks that he was switching in between jalen hurts and Tua tongue of iloa and like that kind of that question kind of faded away because like we didn't know which quarterback he was going to go to and he showed his visual his visual frustration was like quit asking and like people were like okay like we get it like we won't ask it was also a rare moment of like he Saban losing his temper in the moment right Saban's lost his temper before but it's like it was never like super in the moment like it was there with Maria Taylor yeah that's true um but like what I was saying is like Saban always kind of they he answers questions and gives an answer Lincoln Riley always gives an answer and it's like the answer never suffices because he leaves room for interpretation. He leaves room for speculation. And sometimes his answers are just plain bad. And so this will likely be one of them. He was on The Herd, uh, the show with Colin Cowherd, and they were talking about the transfer portal and ac- accusations of him getting players from Oklahoma to follow him to USC, which he did. They're, they took in multiple players from Oklahoma. That 100% happened. <laughs> it did. They. I'm looking at their... Um, transfer portal list right now. They took in uh, three, yeah, three, three players from Oklahoma with Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, and then Latrell McCutcheon. And Lincoln Riley said, and I quote, we didn't take players from Oklahoma. We took players from the transfer portal. Once a player gets into the portal where they do, where they are open to any school in the country, we would not be crazy to take a look at them and try to help our football team. And so that right there was an interesting quote, an interesting way about it, just because we know that he had one of his staff members recruiting on Oklahoma's um, on USC's dime while be or excuse me, Oklahoma's dime for USC. We know that happened because one of the recruits said it, it happened. Um, But Lincoln Riley's stance on the transfer portal, just it always, it always baffles me. Um, He had issues or drama when he was at Oklahoma by not letting his backup quarterback transfer to TCU. He kept vetoing it and then eventually let him transfer, but he's just a confusing guy, Sergio. So the thing with Lincoln Riley is that he is both correct in what he said, like on a super technical standpoint, but he's also, he also knows exactly what he's doing. And here's what I mean by that. He is correct because he's right. He didn't technically take players from Oklahoma. He took them from the portal. But he regret he he neglects to acknowledge the fact that the only reason that those players are in the portal in the first place is because he's the one that left in the middle of the night to take the USC job, which that's fine. We know how this thing works. We are fully aware as to how college football, um, the coaching carousel works and how it can go super quick, super fast. And it is what it is. That's that's the thing. But that's why we give players and I hope we give them even more agency. But That's why we are on the path to giving players agency. And in this case, those players are making that decision of saying, well, I I came to Oklahoma to be with this guy, so I'm leaving and I'm going to go ahead and try to find something that works for me now that that situation has changed. It just so happens that that situation that works best for them is the one that also worked best for Lincoln Riley, and it's out in Los Angeles at USC. So I think that he is perfectly fine with believing that, but this is definitely the situation of like you... Like you telling a lie to someone, knowing it's not true, but doubling down so hard that you end up actually believing the lie. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel this situation is. Where he he's technically right, he really is. But like, yeah. come on, dude let's let's not ignore the fact. Like, address, like of course, Colin Cowher is not going to ask him. You know, he, he's not going to say technically you didn't take players from Oklahoma, but how does it feel to take players from the trans? You know what I mean? Like, be it's just going to be real with you. How you know? Did you take players from Oklahoma? And Lincoln Riley can say, what if I was Lincoln Riley, I would have said, listen, I had to make the decision that was best for me. And one thing that I've taught my, I hope that I've taught my players 
is that they also need to make decisions that's best for them. For some of them, and I would say those three players, they decided that the decision that was best for them was to come to USC and to join me on over here. Am I advocating for a direct like taking of players from programs? No, I'm not. But I'm also, but I'm what I am advocating is giving the a players the ability to make decisions that is best for them. In these cases, in these in the situation for these three players, this is what they felt was best for them. Period. I think that answers the question. I think that it, it acknowledges the situation, right. and it doesn't have you looking like an idiot, Lincoln, going, "Oh, we didn't take players from Oklahoma. You took players from Oklahoma. That's exactly what happened, Lincoln." But we're all aware of what the situation is. So, like, let's be adults about it and just be honest, you know? Yeah, like, you know, as soon as their names hit the portal, when, text messages were sent. When he took the like, job hey, at USC. Like, come on down. Like, we, we got ten minutes later, spots for you guys. People were saying, so is Caleb Williams going to join him? Like, we're all, we all know what's happening. We all know the situation. So. We all knew. There was no surprise there. And then. He continued his media row extravaganza when he joined. Um, he was on ESPN's national National Signing Day show, and this this kind of makes sense to me. I think I think he has a valid point. It's just interesting to hear from him. Um, I'll give you the quote. Uh, he was talking about changing the transfer portal and how it works, and he says the transfer portal changed the way college football operates. At some point, we'll have to put in some guardrails to ensure when it can happen, when it can't happen, so players and staffs are a little bit more on the same page. Right now, it's so open-ended that I think it's difficult for players, difficult for coaches building rosters, trying to project for the future. The ill effects of that when you start looking down at the high school athlete and how many of these scholarships are actually going to players in high school is concerning. So I think so much has changed. There's a lot of really good, smart people in college football that care about the sport. I think a lot of these people need to get together as we have a chance to assess all that's happened. I think we can put together a plan that gives everybody the flexibility that they want, but also maintains the kind of integrity of building a roster and being able to use all the different channels to do that in a positive way. And so I'll I'll go Mm -hmm. first. Uh, I did my thesis, as you know, from Quinnipiac on the transfer portal. I did it more in reference to college basketball and I think the transfer portal is a great concept. I do think, and I've gotten multiple statements from college basketball coaches saying that there, it right. needs to be adjusted in a way somehow. They just don't know how because <laughs> the transfer portal is kind of like this mm-hmm. endless like void of like happening. Um, there is over, I have the numbers in front of me right here. Uh, since August, where uh, nearly 1,300 scholarship FBF, mm-hmm. FBS players, so not even counting the FCS players that are trying to transfer up, have entered the portal since August 1st. And then in total, more than 3,400 D1, D2, and D3 players have entered the transfer portal over the last three months. And that's the most in the four year of this database. Um, and they're finding that nearly half of the 1,300 FBS players have not found a home. <laughs> so like, there is definitely an issue out there because... The transfer portal, right. while it does give people like Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams knows he's going to find a home. There's a home for Caleb Williams everywhere. Um, but there's mm-hmm. players who are transferring for more playing time or maybe they want to move closer to home. And right now it's just there is an issue with the lack of availability. It's just as simple as that. And then we're also dealing with the COVID eligibility leftovers because everybody that was there during COVID got an extra year. And so that's an additional scholarship spot that coaches weren't accounting for. And so I do think there's some validity. Right. To it's what it's very said. much. I think it's just we're all trying to find to out who him. did this meme, you know, uh, guy in the hot dog. But I, I yeah, this one's <laughs> tough. This one's tough where, yes, I agree with Lincoln. I think there's something needs to be done. Um, but I, I, I don't I also think that because of covid. And because of the immediate, um, the recency, I should say, of the one-time transfer rule, I think that we are seeing an influx and a massive, quick rise in players going and uh, being tra- um, declaring the test for the portal. I think that we're going to see it kind of level out. Number one, because in a f- in three or four years, we're going to see no more players that have that COVID eligibility. Um, and then at the same time, we're going to be able to have four five, six years of the mm-hmm. one-time transfer um, rule in place. We're going to have that time and, and that data and that sample size to see how successful is it. And I think players, when they decide to do it, 
if they see here, here there's a certain percent chance that you're going to end up getting going somewhere else or if you think you're going to go to another p5 program and it's like well the statistics really say you're going to drop down to the g5 level there, there's certain things that i think players will be able to information that they'll have that'll make their decision more informed right now i don't think there's much information on it and so players are kind of basically the guinea pigs of this situation. So that's one thing that I think will improve that will help it longer term. But I also think that we need to address the coaching, uh, the coaches buyout market and salary pool because the, the rising buyout numbers and contracts and the amount of money that these coaches are getting is definitely, a, it's a bubble that's eventually going to pop. Like you can't have programs paying 12 to $15 million in buyout money and going ahead and paying their coaches five to six million per year. And if they fire them in a year and a half, which we're going to get to Brian Harson in a minute, then they're going to have to pay another 12 to 15 to maybe 20 million in, in buyout money. Like that's nearly $50 million between in the example of having two buyouts and your actual coach on staff and the coaching salary for their actual program and all the off field stuff that comes with running a football program. Like that's a whole lot of money. And all that money could actually be going, it, you may not believe in actually going directly to the players in, in a form of payment, and that's fine. I completely can see why people disagree with that statement, but it could definitely go towards NIL stuff. It could definitely go towards facilities for the players. It can go towards bonuses. It can go towards uh, cost of attendance increases, stuff like that, where the money goes is is kind of shared a bit holistically. You know, I know that's a very um, socialist like mentality for mine that I have, but I think we need to realize that in the United States, sports has always been very socialism driven as compared to the free market of how the United States works. I know once people say the word socialism, some people kind of tune it out, but we need to acknowledge that, hey, you you have an NBA draft, you, you have a draft in your favorite sport. Yeah, that's that's called parody. And that's basically a socialism of dividing of goods so that teams can, you know what I mean, can be competitive in the league and stuff. This is sports. That's the way American sports has worked forever. And it's kind of the system that we have in place. So why can't it work in a system like collegiate sports, especially college football, when every single day we are professionalizing college football more and more and more? So many people are getting so rich off of the sport with the exception of the labor force of the players. So I think that if we can improve that situation and we can make it valuable for players to stay at institutions, then they may not feel the need to have to jump and and once again, I want to emphasize, in order to enter the portal, you have to give up your scholarship. You have to give up your scholarship to enter the portal. So it's a gamble. It's not a guarantee. It's a gamble. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the more we can incentivize, yeah, right. The more right, we can incentivize players to stay, away. the less we'll have in the transfer portal. So I think those kind of go hand in hand, even though people may not think that they do. But that's how I view it, and that's how I see it. So. Um, again, I rambled for five minutes, but I agree with Lincoln. I just think that it's a bit, um, I don't want to say hypocritical, but it's a bit ironic that he's the one that's bringing this up, even though he's he, he's right on this point. Um, I just think that the way that we solve yeah. this may not be something that Lincoln Riley uh, yeah. and people of his um, his stature would, would be um, very quick to embrace, is what the way I'll put it. Right, well... The- the thing about Lincoln Riley is he, he wants there, and this is just me gathering from his statement, is he probably wants a period of like, okay, from August to December, you can't enter the transfer portal. But January through whatever, it's free game. But then mm-hmm. that just creates – the the issue with college football is there's just a never-ending mm-hmm. calendar. And so like right now it's spring football, and so you ha- can have early enrollees. But also you could have transfers come in after the spring. Mind you, right. you're already having your 20 plus recruits that you recruited. Or from you high have the guys that are early enrolling during after the spring as well. And so every month. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Like you already have them on the roster. So every month something is happening to where you're trying to add people to the roster. So there's never really a perfect time to be like, OK, let me go look at the portal right now because the portal is going to keep increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that this year is going to be an anomaly or this little time period of COVID is because this year doesn't really count or like these few years don't really count for the transfer portal in my eyes, because one we have, we have the extra year of eligibility while it was the right move. It kind of, I don't want to say it, it, hurt it affected high way, school recruits it hurt for the, the next four to five seasons is what it did are like, 
Right. And it affected the underclassmen trying to transfer because if there's an upperclassman with more experience, more playing time, whatever, like they're going to be more of a priority. And so the transfer portal will probably, it's not going to fix itself because I don't think there is a way to fix this. I would love to see the solution right. that they write down on paper I have a because proposal, I don't think there is a concrete solution to fix this whole entire issue. I think, but I think that we implement NCAA drop down on a knee, which <laughs> I already know is already going to hit a brick wall because that's not going to happen. But in a perfect world, NCAA wide, I know, right? Nationwide, <laughs> I think that we have to implement similar to the professional <laughs> leagues a a like free agency period, right? Where you can only trans, you can only enter your name in the portal. Okay. Um, let's call it. Let's call it Jan. Let, let's call it from after. Because no, because we gotta end, go with spring semester. Okay, so let's say December first, similar to international soccer, right? To where they have a transfer period where players can move teams. Let's implement it from January, uh, December first. Let's do like December fifteenth to January fifteenth. There you go. Because then we're we're for sure the season's over, regular season. You can you can enter your name in the portal at that time, and there yep. and teams have one month. To go through the portal, figure out the players they want, this, not whatever. I think that that is, that is worth it. I think that that is the kind of the solution. But if we're going to do that, then we have to be fair. And I would also implement that from December 15th to January 15th, that is the time when, as a coach, you can move from program to program. And that way, what we have is a one-month period between oh, okay. December and January See, th- where we have all the madness that we have throughout the season. Coaches moving here left and right. And because a coach moved a player into the portal, but because player A entered the portal, then that means another player from another school went to that to fill that that spot. And it's this whole carousel merry-go-round going on. If we can contain all of that to just a one-month period, coaches and players, I'm not talking staff hires, uh, but I mean head coaches, because that's, you know, if a coordinator leaves, a coordinator leaves. Like that, you know, those are technically their support staff. But if we go head coaches and players, I think that we can consolidate all of us into a one one month period. Um, and you know what? Maybe we even do like soccer. We have two. We go from um, December fifteenth to January fifteenth, so it's before after the regular season and before spring ball. And then after the spring, maybe we go um, June first to July first, and that is the moment right before summer camps start, where you can once again maybe the spring ball didn't work out. You can change coaches. Players can move and all that stuff. So we have like a two two month long periods where everyone can move, um, and we're able to kind of contain these things in that world. Will that ever happen? It won't. But that's to me how I would kind of, you know, bring it there. So that yeah, you're right. It, I, I think it, it does suck when you have a quarterback that's the yeah. Arizona State situation where you have all of a sudden the starting quarterback is gone and they're left to scramble to pick up someone. But I also think it sucks when your coach leaves in the middle of the night. And so I think we need to have some balance and some fairness in that, in that perspective. Yeah. I think the only issue is yeah. there's no, nobody really governs the coaches. Like <laughs> the schools could fire them whenever. And so like to advocate for the coaches, which, if like, which if I you get, could fire which me I whenever get. I should be able to leave whenever. So, cause like, I mean, it's just life. Right. Like if there's a better job for me, then I got to do what's best for me. And like Clay Helton got fired midseason. So you're telling me that he's just supposed to believe in every call, like school. Like there's just like no perfect way. Like I think I don't think you could touch the coaches. I do like the transfer period. Um, I think it could be like after it's got to be after semesters, too, because the school, right. the school part is the most important part because they're they have to be able to be eligible. And so whether it's after the fall semester is one period and then after the spring semester is another. Um, I do like that idea. I like that. Well, every I every think academic calendar is the different. calendar. I don't know and the calendar off the top of my head. That's I why like I put December to 15th to January 15th because you, you have so like a buffer every... zone there to be able to start and stop and whatever. Yeah. Summer quarters. Yeah. Because some schools are in the semester. Some are in the trimester. Like it, it gets. Conf- yeah. Yeah. It gets confusing. And so. Um, we're going to talk about another coach who might be experiencing mm-hmm. <laughs> a motivation to leave his school due to the way that they treated him to a scandal that proved to be false, I guess. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just died down, and so I'm assuming it was proven false. Um, Brian Harson, the coach of Auburn, who Auburn but went they six started and seven five and one. year. Not a great season for so. Auburn, but it's kind of a rebuilding year. Right. 
They did, and then they lost Bo Nix. They lost yeah, their right. quarterback Bo Nix, and then they lost him to the transfer portal. Um, go figure. Um, <laughs> uh, but a rumor came out that he was having an affair with the assistant to the head coach, right. which I don't know her name, and I don't feel like it's necessary to name her just because mm-hmm. if if it was false, then her name is just dragged with allegation. Um, and so but people were calling for his head at after a year just because of this, and it proved to not be true. And now there's rumors that he was not he was standing up mm-hmm. to boosters and like they didn't like how he was, he was treating them. And so people with money mm-hmm. got hurt and tried to figure out a way to get him out. What do you make of this mess, Sergio? If you were Brian Harson, well, number, would you have your any question, loyalty no, I to definitely Auburn? would not have any I, loyalty I don't know if to I Auburn. Um, because Auburn doesn't have any loyalty to me. Let's let's be realistic. It's Auburn. Um, I think I'm going to preface this and I'm going to go quick story time. Um, I listen, I subscribe. I am a patron. I pay monthly, um, to, I'm a patron of split zone duo. It is a college football podcast that I highly Mm -hmm. recommend. And I highly recommend the $5 a month to become one of their patrons. If you like college football, and if you're listening to this podcast, you like college football, I highly recommend you go listen to, they have a free show that they do every week. And then they also have multiple Patreon exclusive shows that they do um, multiple times a week. I highly recommend it. Listening to this podcast with respected journalists that I trust, um, they had an Auburn-centric episode. And I'm not going to give away anything because I believe that you should support journalism and go pay your $5 a month for it. But just to give you the quick facts so that we can have all the context here. um, Again, this is not me, Sergio, reporting anything. This is me relaying the reporting of Split Zone Duo. Um, and especially their Patreon information. So take that. I trust them very much. And so I'm going to go ahead and operate in under in the world that what they said was, a, was factual, which is because I believe them. Uh, Brian Harson from the very beginning did not have a good relationship with Auburn. Let's start right there. And it stems down to him not doing the off the field things that you need to do as the head coach of an SEC football program. And especially one at the caliber and at the retina at the the height and the size of Auburn. He did not develop relationship. Huh? Politicking. Let's call what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Politicking. He, he, he did not develop relationships to lo- right? with the local media. He did not like the boosters. The boosters did not like him. Um, and he very clearly wasn't their first choice when they hired him. So starting off on a wrong foot. Um, and then you pair that up with his, his relationship with the players. Now, some players have come out and defended him, um, like like uh, TJ Finley has come out and defended him, um, but some players have not been, and that's because the players that came in were recruited by uh, Gus Malzahn, and he is very much a player's coach. If you watch his stuff that UCF uh, football mm-hmm. media's department has been putting out, it's very player-oriented, player-friendly, and rightfully so. That's kind of how he is. And Harson said, no, I'm going to be the tough, hard-ass football coach. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be stern. I'm going to do a completely 180 shift. And that's okay because not every coach is the same. And it's understandable that we had a lot of players, like something like 22, 23 players, transferred out of Auburn. Not everyone has landed in places where they want to go, but most notably Bo Nix is now in um, at Oregon. So players have gone out because of that. And that's okay because there's always going to be mm-hmm. attrition when a coach changes. That's not the problem. The issue is that the boosters then took that and were trying to use that as a way to fire him for cause. Then when people, people, when we say for cause, we mean that he violated something and so therefore they're going to fire him and they're not going to pay him his buyout money. If you fire him just for losing football games, you got to pay him the buyout money. Auburn could not afford to do another $23 million buyout, which is what they owe Gus Malzahn. And it's still on the books, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. They paid like half of it, so they got to hold... They got like six. They got a like thirteen million or so to go. Um, something crazy like that. And so, unfortunately, it is I. I am going to trust the reporting of Split Zone Duo, and they said that that stuff with the assistant was false, was completely false, and it was brought up by um, boosters or people around that wanted him out. So that's why we are not going to name her, and we. I feel bad for her because her name was dragged through the mud for no reason. And I feel bad for Harson's family and his wife and his kids who had to hear and listen to all this when it simply was not true. Um, so yeah, all of this happened, not true. Eventually, Auburn realizes we don't have grounds to fire this guy. Like, there's nothing that he violated. And of course, Harson's not going to just resign. 
Because if he resigns, he doesn't get that buyout money. And he's like, no, no, if you're going to fire me, I'm going to get the $20 million that you guys want are supposed to give me. So I don't blame Brian Harson for having this tumultuous relationship. And then also he fired a wide receivers coach like four games into the season. They haven't been able to find a new coordinator. All this kind of stuff is wrapped into one. And basically it's just a whole bunch of Auburn being Auburn. And Brian Harson, I think, is just a lame duck waiting, like just put him out of his misery waiting to be gone. I would be very surprised if he is not, if he is still the coach. Um, we are recording this Sunday, February 27th, 2022. I'd be very surprised if we do an episode on February 27th, 2023, and he is still the Auburn coach. And no, for no fault of his own, but just because Auburn is not going to want to keep him around. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think you put that perfectly and so i brian harson i think is, the best thing he could do is just get that money because you know the money's going to come eventually um i think it would also be well if they beat alabama next year and they were i'm pretty sure that saves his job and they, they like had <laughs> and they, they were a few they I were have been on record saying and i will stand by it alabama if bo nix didn't get so, hurt Auburn would have won eight or nine games, and they would have beat um, Alabama this season. Thank you very much. You, you're probably mm-hmm. right. You're probably right. We have another. We have another issue in college football, bigger than all of this. I don't know if it's bigger than all of this, but it's a it's a big issue. Um, mm-hmm. People aren't going to. Oh wait, no. Actually, this is a big issue, but it's not the big issue I'm talking about. Um, coaches mm-hmm. like Jim Harbaugh tested the waters for the NFL. Um, this was an issue for Michigan fans, right. not an issue for the college football landscape. I mean, it could be in some way, I guess, bio market and stuff like you talked about. Um, he tested the waters and interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings job, which I, I personally don't think is the most attractive <laughs> job in the world because I wouldn't want to coach. So, okay, Har- Harbaugh has a lot of experience with <laughs> underwhelming like, quarterbacks. Simple as that. Uh, I think so. That, yes, that yes, that was a Shea Patterson shot. That was a specifically a Shea hey, Patterson shot. <laughs> Okay. 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 I was gonna say when he came to the 49ers, we we did well. Um but he he kind of and I respect him for this, he got his bag back because before the season they restructured his deal so they could pay him less and mm-hmm. like hit th- because they gave him a big big contract and then they said, Oh, you kind of struggled right. and during the COVID year of all years. That that's the year they want to grade him off of. Um they they struggled and they wanted some of that money back. They were like, Oh, we don't know about you anymore. Well, Jim Harbaugh got his his annual compensation, got a new contract, starts at seven point five million in twenty twenty two, and is going to go up to seven point six three million in twenty twenty six, and all it's more than three million increase from 2021 base salary, and then he gets incentives for a Big Ten championship, which is a million, which they just won this past year, an appearance in a national semifinal. And a Big Ten East title will net five hundred thousand each, and so basically he's getting a lot of money to be paid to do a good job. And this is where mm-hmm. I stopped believing Harbaugh, and like I, I was supporting him. I was like, "Get your bag, like test the NFL waters," because Michigan showed yeah. that when things get rough, they're like, "Oh, oh, maybe we don't support you." But things went well, and they're like, "Oh, we welcome back. We missed you." Um, he said he told Michigan reporters that his flirtation with the NFL was a one-time thing. Do you believe him? I don't. I think I think he has an eye for I th- I think it's hard to choose between your alma mater and the NFL. The NFL is the highest level of football, but your alma mater has obviously that close place in your heart. Um he's found success at the NFL level for a tad mm-hmm. uh, with the 49ers. Uh we we did well. We had a Super Bowl appearance, NFC championships and all. Um I just don't know if I buy, I'm not going to the NFL because I think there's going to be a lot of jobs opening up next year. Um, there was a lot of jobs open this year, to be honest, that he could have uh, got gotten interviewed for. And he, Minnesota was the place that attracted him the most. Um, he's clearly not big into where he's going, like geographically. Cause like, I would not mm-hmm. want to move to Minnesota on purpose. Um, Cause it's cold and I don't like the cold. <laughs> But he's in Michigan, so who cares? What What are your thoughts on the Harbaugh situation? Do you think he's NFL bound Warba, eventually, or do you think this was just to get money? Extension. All of what you said was true. Yes, he took a massive mm. pay cut during the COVID year. Um, 
we should also give him credit for donating all of his bonus money to the faculty at University of Michigan because they had a bunch of pay cuts. Right. So that was good. But the answer's in the contract extension. What did you not what right. what is a massive part of a college football coach coach's contract that you forgot you did not mention in that description? It's buyout money. I did it's buyout money. This. Let me see. This is this is along oh, the lines money. I did not, of yep. Yeah. This is the buyout. This is the along the lines quite of multiple one. extensions this offseason. Um, what comes to mind is James Franklin at Penn State. These are fake extensions, gentlemen. These ex- Whatever you just said, re-say it because you froze. Whatever got you to Mel Tucker and action. These are fake extensions, ladies and gentlemen. These aren't real extensions. Mel Tucker's not going to be at Michigan State for 10 years. James Franklin is not going to be at Penn State for five or six. The buyout money is what is is what is important here. The buyout for Jim Harbaugh, I believe, is somewhere in the range of $3 million. Now, $3 million is a lot of money. It would quite literally change my life and that of my entire families. But in the grand scheme of the college football world, I mentioned briefly the coaching salary buyout market and how it's a problem, this is relatively low. That would mean that if an NFL team wants to come and get Jim Harbaugh, they would just need to pay Michigan $3 million. I do not think this flirtation is over. I think this was him as a way to get his salary back up to where it should be because of his statue and all this stuff. And on top of that, because he's staying, he was like, all right, I'm staying, but you're going to make that buyout relatively low. So, no, I don't think that this is a, this is a uh, this is a one and done in terms of flirting with the NFL. No, not right. even close. And I said it was a hefty buyout, and I mean more of a hefty scenario buyout. Because Exactly, yes. That, buy, that buyout comes in handy when, like, who who's a coach that may be? I don't even know, like – Maybe the the Raiders' job opens up, and mm-hmm. again. obviously they already again. Sure, like right. in a couple of years, and maybe Vegas sparks his interest, and because the bio his buyout decreases every year as well. Um, mm-hmm. His it goes three million in year one, two point two five million in year two, year three is one and a half million, and then year four it drops to right seven hundred one and a half one and a half right there. He's gone by then. Yeah, and year four it's seven hundred fifty thousand. So, right. and if he's not gone by year by year three, they're going to work out another contract extension. We've seen James Franklin do this all the time. He used FSU's opening to get an extension. He used USC's opening this offseason to get an extension. We've seen it all the time. So, kudos yeah. to those guys for getting more money because that's what they probably should do to get out of these universities. But at the same time, like let's not be realistic. They are they're doing what LeBron does in the NBA, where he signs you he signs like four year contract, but after every season, there's a player option. You know what I mean? Because right, at any point, LeBron's going to be like, okay, I'm out. Could, uh, exactly. Exactly. So that is why I think the he is not done with that. Yeah. Um, we have one more topic. We're going to skip Art Bryles. I, I think that's a ridiculous whole situation. It, can, um, I, can I say one thing about Art Bryles, though? Yeah, go ahead. Long story short, Art Bryles is in position to be hired as Grambling's offensive coordinator and action Sergio. It's it's very it's a very sad state of affairs in college football where such a historical HBCU, historically black college universities, uh, at like Grambling, one of the most well recognized HBCUs in the country, has gotten to a point where they are willing to well, first of all, they're willing to hire Hugh Jackson as their head coach, but that's just a football decision that I disagree with. That's not a morality thing that I disagree with. But the fact yeah, that our Browse is able to is able to be around um, university, a university and college age students and education, and supposed to be a quote unquote leader of men when the rampant, rampant, um, rampant uh, disregard for empathy and caring for the victims. Um, from Baylor university. Like it, it's just, it's very sad and it's just um, no offense to the grambling fan base, but I hope you lose every single game by 60 points. Sorry. Right. 
Well, I'll, before, we pray on, before we pray on, excuse me, Grammy's downfall, there is going to be a vote. Um, the, oh, I didn't know this. Okay. Oh, so maybe we'll dive into a little bit. I'll, I'll give you the, the information that goes along with it. So we'll go, yeah, them, just, just let us know what's happening. Okay. So the Monroe News Star, there's a few hurdles that Bryo has to go through before he could actually be approved. And so Grammy's State has not notified the University of Louisiana system that it plans to hire Bryles. And so when the university actually does do that, he will need a majority vote on the 16 member board to actually be hired for on, on the staff. And the board will not convene again until April 28th. And so wow. when the, the, another interesting thing though, is the board apparently in the last five years has not de- denied a football coach's contract or term sheet. However, obviously our browse is a little different scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think, I think this is more of a Hugh Jackson issue than a, a Grambling State issue because in this article um, by the Monroe News Star or where I got this information from, Hugh Jackson tried to hire Art Bryles to join his staff when he was the coach of the Cleveland Browns. Well, he actually, what happened there was he brought him in as kind of like a guest coach for a few weeks. Um, and then he never like came back kind of thing. It was like a one, two week thing. But yeah, no, they have they have a relationship. They know each other. They at least a working relationship. I don't know personal, but they have a working relationship for sure. Yeah, it's just, you know, a little disappointing to see that he keeps getting opportunities after the stuff that he was a part of at Baylor. Um, Moving on to not really a a lighter note. It's lighter than that, I guess. But um, there's a big problem in college football, an epidemic, if you will. Sergio, people aren't going to games anymore. Um, there's, there could be a lot of different reasons, but according to Dennis Dodd, I believe his name is mm-hmm. Dennis Dodd, and, very respected, very respected. Yes. And attendance has gone down 1,629 fans on a per game basis from 2019 to 2021. Um, now some of you might say, oh, well, that's the COVID period, obviously, but the article itself has stats that says college football attendance has declined for the seventh straight season. <laughs> and is at its lowest average since 1981. And so there's an issue there because college football, I think, obviously we love college football. We do a podcast about it. Um, <laughs> that's no secret. But college football to us is one of the most entertaining and action-packed sports to ever watch. It's probably my favorite sport to watch in person. Um, you just never know what's going to happen in college sports. And yeah. there's like a mystique and magical feeling about like the school you support especially you since you went to the school you support like you have a pride with that um you have a tie to that like you're you're a dolphins fan but the only thing that ties you with the dolphins i was pointing to my albert uh plush thing oh. but it's covered by some jeans that i wore today but it's back sergio's there behind that is, little pile of jeans sergio's, Borba, room, there's a little- is dirty. sergio's <laughs> room is dirty is all you need to know so i couldn't see the album <laughs> It's not but dirty. Like, it's it's okay. it's a pair of jeans nicely folded. They just happen to be in front of Albert. Okay, they are nicely folded. I'll give you that. But <laughs> unfortunately, the only thing that ties you to the Dolphins, I mean, unless you have like someone who played for them or worked for them, family wise, that I'm not aware of, is you live in Miami or near Miami, right. and it's a pro team that you support. But you right, went just, to the, the reason I'm a Dolphin fan is just because I grew up down here. And, you know, I'm a Dolphin fan because of my dad. But right. like, but I'm, a, I'm a Gator because I went to UF and I went and I paid my right. $140 every season to go to every game. There's there's a pride there. But the issue is Absolutely. to go to these games, like you just mentioned, it costs you $140 on top of your fantastic tuition, which I'm sure was not cheap at Florida. Um, State tuition, so, baby. Yeah. A tuition, baby. Um, so <laughs> there's been an issue, and the, Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, I think he said it best. Um, his take on the decline is we're really competing against a 70 inch TV and the beer that is cold in your refrigerator and no lines at the bathroom. We have to continue to make sure we enhance the game day experience. Um, I think the best way to enhance the game day experience is not charge me $600 to sit uh, at the top of the stadium. Um, that'd be that'd be a great game day experience to where I could still afford to do other things and yeah. not have to watch the game on my phone, even though I'm in the stadium. Like I think yeah. that's part Listen, of the- I, I completely agree. I think Bowlesby's right. I think that is definitely one of the reasons um, because I can watch. I mean, I, if you, if I have an, I have an Apple TV, right? So I can put, I can put up to four games on at the same time mm-hmm. um, and watch all four at the exact same time on, on my Apple TV. So like that is, that's something that's like 
you're not going to be able to get at the game if you're someone who wants to watch multiple games per day. But I think one of the great things that made, or I should say rather, the, one of the the only reason that I was able to go to football games at UF as a student was because I, I paid the student rate price. I told you $140, but I paid $25 per game. That is a great price for a football game. And I sat in a, you know, the swamp is a great, you know, not a bad seat in the swamp. So you get a good view and I'm in the student section and it's rocking. But if I wanted the exact same seat that I was in, in the student section, but on the opposite side of the field, on the alumni side, I'm $140, $140 be lucky if it got me a game. Like, Instead of the seven games, <laughs> that's the parking fee, you know? <laughs> right? And like it's 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 just so and and again, like college football is very unique in terms of it's got these small, um, you know, small towns and that's you know not everywhere, but in a lot of small towns and stuff, or especially in the south, like. But even Gainesville itself, just speaking from personal experience, like it's it's becoming like, um, like a mini Orlando suburb where there's it's losing its charm, it's losing its quaintness, like. There's something about Knoxville, Tennessee. There's something about um, Gainesville, Florida. There's something about Athens, Georgia, you know, just to name a few college towns in the South. But yeah, I'm with you. I think enhancing the game day experience, I'm with Bowlesby in that sense, but I'm, I'm with you as well. Like the excessive, how expensive it is to go to games. It's just out of this world. Like it's, it's pretty sad. And in that sense, and and look, man, it's it's changing. Everything's always going to change. You and I, one day, we're going to go to a Texas game at UT. I, I, that's something I want us to do. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to go to a Gator game at UF. We're going to take Jared, and we're going to have all the fun, the three of us, and it'll be great. But that's going to be something that we have to plan for a long time because of how expensive it'll be. That's you know like what I mean? Month, months in advance. Like, hey, months in advance, maybe years, you know? September 30th look for you in 2024. <laughs> like, right. Like, hey, I, I know it's January 4th, but I know that Texas is playing Kansas State and we can get a good deal for a ticket on September 4th. Like, okay, let me see if I can plan around that eight months in advance. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's 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 such an ordeal. And and because these college towns are are areas of it are areas of pilgrimage, right? People come to these places for these events. Um, unless it's, you know, unless I'm going to like a hurricanes game down here in Miami, or if I live in LA, if I'm going to a USC game where I just live in the city, it's very difficult, man. That's why college football doesn't pick up as much as it does, uh, up as much in the Northeast as it does in the South or in the West, because, you know, in the Northeast, there's just, it's just so many things to do and there's people don't care about it as much. And, and that's part of the thing that makes college football great. It's, and that's one of the reasons why I love watching college football on TV because I watch a game where Wisconsin's playing at home, and I watch them do jump around at, at the end of the third, and and I and I watch um, Ohio State. I watch them dot the I with the band, and and the pack crowds are there, and and it's just part of the atmosphere that yeah, if people don't go, then it's not as much. But I'm hoping that the prices go down. But obviously, I just I'm a realist, and I know that's not going to happen. So. I don't know how they you got, solve this issue, but it makes they me. They got to enhance the experience <laughs> somehow. But there, so there's ten FBS conferences. Only mm-hmm. or only three of them um, actually saw an increase, and it's not going to be the ones you expect. Uh, the Big Ten was saw the most increase. The Sun Belt's on there. The Sun Belt is yep. They're the second one, and then the that was my guess. And the Mac. And so the okay. Mid- American surprised me. The Mac, yeah. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, it's just. I don't know. Make college football accessible. It's fun. We want to watch yeah. these kids play. <laughs> like we want to watch. That, that's one of the, I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with college football. Cause my stepdad had uh, season tickets to FAU and they were relatively cheap. Granted, not many people go, but like not as many people go, I should say. Um, there's still, there's a good contention that goes, but I was able to go to a college football, an FBS college football game almost every Saturday throughout high school. That's, right. that's what made me fall in love with the game. Like that's why I w- amongst my friends that are, Oh, I only know Florida football and our big power five guys or whatever. I'm the, I'm the group of five guy because I know I, I love group of five football just because it's smaller. doesn't mean that it's less intense and, and, and less meaningful to programs and, and to, to, to fans and teams and stuff and players like everything matters to, to the people who care about it. And, and that's one of the things I love about college football. And I hope that people can access these things, um, in a much uh in a much easier way yeah and you never know who you're gonna see i i went to Fres- a lot of fresno state games growing up and little did i realize now that i'm adult and follow professional sports 
like and pay more attention. I saw Devonte Adams and Derek Carr at this. They were teammates at Fresno State, and I watched them play. That's wild. Times. And like at the time, I'm just like a ten year old kid, just like yeah, that's cool, like whatever. Twelve. I'll never, kid, for, I'll never forget like my senior year of high school. I went to an FAU game. It was like the first of the season, and this defensive lineman, this white boy, comes off of the edge and just got like four or five sacks in a game. And I was like, oh, that's an NFL defensive lineman. That guy was Trey Hendrickson, who ended oh, up. Wow setting the single season sack record this year for for the Bengals and had two sacks in the Super Bowl. Like yeah, that's incredible. That's you know, I got to watch that guy and immediately I saw him fresh rookie freshman season and I was like, "Oh, that guy's going to be in the league." You know what I mean? Like you get to find right. those gems and you get to watch him in that way and I don't know. It's we're, you, you we're don't get those stories them. if you don't if you don't aren't able to go to the game. Right. And you, cool experiences just yeah. Make college football accessible. Um, make yep. it, make college football what it needs to be, and that's college football should be one of the more, more popular sports in America. Yeah. Um, it should. Let's let's just let's get things right. You know, Sir college, you know, college football is older than the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. It is. There's just want to point Harvard, out Harvard, Harvard point. and West Point and all those random Ivy League schools used to be yeah. really good. They used to be um, really really good. This has been the Tailgate Podcast, which, mind you, is really, really good. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kevin Borwick. He is Sergio de la Correa, And we will see you guys next week. Go Gators. Y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.